The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Buffalo Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Anthony Marino here with you once again, talking everything Buffalo Bills. Happy to have a special guest with me today. His name is Jeff Sharon. He's the managing editor of the Black and Gold Banneret site for us here at SB Nation. And that is the blog for the UCF Golden Knights. We're happy to have him on with us today. Talking Gabriel Davis. Jeff, thanks for joining. Hey, what's going on? Oh, by the way, quick, uh, Anthony, I'm so sorry to interrupt. Um, we dropped the golden like 13 years ago. I'm sorry. You know what? It's uh, <laughs> It takes me a little while to catch on with some of the new trends. So, Things off to a great start here on the podcast today, but all kidding aside, it's great to have you with us. <laughs> Pat, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I I, I, uh, I wanted to, uh, we've been following, you know, obviously we're here to talk about Gabe Davis and, you know, we're so excited to see that he's made some, uh, made some big strides in the early going up here in Buffalo, but thank you so much for having me and uh, um, yeah, what an exciting time. Hopefully we'll actually get to see some more football now, right? Well, it seems like, right, from that standpoint, at least everything is progressing in the way that it should. But, you know, for Buffalo Bills fans over these past two weeks, right, padded practices starting to take place, everybody is full on board the Gabriel Davis hype train. And the media, they're limited in what they can report, but everything we see from the beat reporters, it just seems like he continues to shine day in and day out. I'm assuming you're not surprised by this, but why don't you give us uh, your take you know, as he kind of steps onto the field in Buffalo and what he can bring to the offense. Oh, you're right. We're not surprised by that um, at all. You know, Gabe is a, a, you know, from the very beginning, he's been a prototypical kind of uh, just, he he checks all the boxes. Like there's nothing, there, even going back to his freshman year at UCF, there was, there was nothing on him that was, that was like, wow, he's really great at this, or he really has superior size. He has excellent size. He's not Brandon Marshall, right? I mean, Brandon Marshall was here. He was six foot five, but right. you know, he's, he's six two two ten. has, uh, I, I would say, as you guys have found out, very deceptive speed because he's a big dude. He's got enormous hands. I mean, what receiver doesn't, um, but, you know, he's a local kid who down here in Orlando we've known for a long time. Like He played at Seminole High School, which is in Sanford, which is just north of Orlando, won a state championship there. Um, and uh, almost, believe it or not, almost went into the Army before uh, deciding to go to college and, uh, and uh, uh, came over to UCF. And, you know, there were flashes of him, because you know, in the early part of his career here because – we had some really good receivers in front of him. Like, you know, in 2017, he was a freshman the year UCF went undefeated and, 
and uh, and and claimed a national championship. Uh, Davis went, you know, he had 27 catches, um, four of them for touchdowns, including the season long that year for UCF. But the the difference was he was behind Traquan Smith, who got drafted by the New Orleans Saints. And then in 2018, you know, he stepped up again. He had 53 catches and seven touchdowns, but he was behind um, Dredrick Snelson, who bizarrely never got drafted and was not and didn't latch on with an NFL team either, despite the fact that he's an incredibly fast wide receiver. Um, but 2019 was his real breakout year as a junior, 72 catches, 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, you know, 17.2 a grab. And he was by far and away the obvious threat that teams tried to shut down every week, and they couldn't do it. Uh, so it, to see what he was doing with, especially with a true freshman quarterback in 2019, he was catching passes from in, in Dylan Gabriel, um, you know, to see what Gabe has been doing it at, at, you know, throughout his college career and to see that translate over to the pro level, none of us are surprised by that. And, um, and it's, it, it's, it's fun watching the, uh, watching the videos that do come out of Bill's practice because w- all of us in UCF Twitter mafia are like, we told you, we told you people this would happen. <laughs> well, and it's great to see that it is happening and, you know, a little history too, right? It seems like each year the Bill's receiving core has been getting better. And it's always been in the past where you had to take that moment and, you know, here's an undrafted free agent that people are excited about or somebody that was taken really in the late rounds. And now you get to the point this year, I think so much of the focus was on those targets in the first round. Mm -hmm. Looked at it saying Buffalo needed that true number one receiver. Go back, right? You make the trade for Stefan Diggs, and all of a sudden it's that's not so much of a need in the draft as maybe some other positions are. But you still need depth at the position. You were expecting the Bills to draft a wide receiver. And they take Davis in the fourth round. And I think like many fans, right, it was Dane Bugler from The Athletic that had said a lot of good things about Davis heading into the draft. But really from that standpoint, it's like, okay, fourth round draft pick, expectations aren't too high. I guess when you look back to the draft, when you saw Davis go in the fourth round, are you thinking, man, from a talent standpoint, he slipped way further than he should have? I mean, talk to me about what your expectations were heading into the draft. Oh yeah, definitely was I, I I think that was definitely the case that he slipped much further than he would have for a couple of reasons. Number one, obviously he 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 plays at UCF. If he played at Florida or Florida State and did the same things, he would have been a surefire number one pick. There's just no doubt about that. Um I think I think the other thing that uh, that kind of went down was kind of what I mentioned before is that he does a lot of things extraordinarily well, but he doesn't do one thing, you know, that really blows your mind, right? Like uh um, he's, he, he's, he's worked so hard at being a, at being an all around receiver. There's a good video that, I, that I want to share with you guys too, where he was, uh, um, doing some workouts with Brandon Marshall and, and Marshall had a lot of high praise for him at the time. And, and, and that's the kind of guy that you want to, certainly that you want to hear from, obviously, you know, going back to their UCF connection, but you know, Brandon Marshall knows receivers and he knows what it takes because here's a, there's another guy who was not highly drafted at all. I think Brandon went in the third or fourth round. I forget exactly where, but um, ended up being one of the greatest receivers in recent memory, probably in NFL history. So, um, but again, I think, I think it speaks to the, the nature of the draft also nowadays where, you know, I don't think it's truly fair to evaluate players saying, oh, well, this guy went in the fourth round. So, you know, maybe the expectations weren't all that high because by that point, you know, play, you know, teams are drafting for need. 
And there are so many areas where where teams are trying to obtain that value. You know, maybe Gabe had you know a fourth round grade for Buffalo, but you know some other teams would have drafted him higher, but they had other needs that were ahead of him, and so he just happened to slip to the right spot. But um, but it, it, regardless of that, you know, the bottom line is he's got his he's got his chance, right? All any all any of these guys ever want is give me that shot, and so far. You know, Gabe has Gabe has not wasted his shot one bit uh, in the early going. I'm sad we don't have any preseason football. We could see what he really looks like out there um, in in live action. I guess we're going to have to wait until the regular season opens. But you know, each year we rail on the preseason games. I know and then you lose them, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, what I would do for yeah. one or two games just to see some of these guys in live action, but. You know, as you bring it up, an interesting thing in the flagship station for the Bills this morning, Jeremy White uh, was talking about Davis. And and really, he was talking with Sal Capaccio, the sideline reporter for the Bills. And he said, the thing that I like best about Davis right now is that he doesn't have to come in and be a savior. And again, you look back to some years past and you would say, gosh, you know, for the Bills offense, if this guy can splash or if this late round pick or undrafted free agent now it's a position where you've got John Brown, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley as your you know first three options, I guess you could say. But then you've got someone like Davis, who's your wide receiver number four, most likely, as a rookie. But it gives him the time to develop where there's not too many expectations coming in. But hey, if he can make any sort of an impact with the offense, that'll be a great thing for the Buffalo Bills. Oh yeah, certainly, and and I think that's one of those key things where he can kind of ease into it. I don't know what the contract situation is with the with the other guys, but certainly not as well as you do. But you know, there are going to be opportunities for him if he can get to that fourth spot in the in the on the depth chart, because as as you guys know, you know Josh Allen's really struggled with the deep ball. And uh, and certainly he with has, I, I I haven't been reminded that. Like yeah, that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I th- well I think one of the things that I think I mean, now I I happen to be a Josh Allen fan, and even going back to watching him, you know, at, at Wyoming, and I think one of the reasons why is because well, well, partially I think is because of the weather, but also, you know, I I think one of the things is you kind of have to have a receiver out there who's forgiving, you know, especially initially when you're a young quarterback like that, and. Gabe Davis kind of gives him that forgiveness because remember, like you said, he was catching, you know, he, he's catching deep balls from initially from Mackenzie Milton, who, uh, you know, is an incredibly accurate passer initially. But, you know, last year, you know, Gabe, um, you know, with, with the situation with Mackenzie Milton with that injury, right? Right. Um, he had, you know, he had to come in and play for, and play initially with Brandon Wimbush, who was not an overly accurate passer. And then Dylan Gabriel, who is a true freshman and granted, you know, is known for his accuracy uh, or at least became known for his accuracy. But it's still tough when you're a true freshman. And Gabe showed a true um, spectrum of skills because, you know, he obviously had, you know, he had the deep ball threat that everyone likes to talk about. But he also had some games where he kind of turned it over into a possession receiver in particular, like the, uh, believe it or not, UCF's loss against Cincinnati. He had uh, had, uh, over a dozen catches in that game. Um, which was a season high for any UCF um, for any UCF receiver, and so he kind of showed off his ability to read defenses and and show that possession game, right? So I, I, I do think that um, in terms of the skills that he's able to bring to the table, 
this is going to be a big this is going to be a big advantage for Josh having you know, having that many you know chances to open things up. You know, certainly not to take away from some of the other guys who I think you know are still getting used to the concept, uh, to, are still getting used to working with Josh Allen, and that takes some time. But um, you know, I, I personally th- it, it, as if if I'm in the AFC East right now, if I'm Miami or or, uh, or or the Jets or New England, you know, I'm not going to take that for granted now, and nor should they if they've watched any film on Gabe Davis. Well, and to your question before, from the contract standpoint, John Brown is in year two of a three-year deal with the Bills, right? So if you were to look at things and say, okay, in one of those outside spots, Stefan Diggs at his age, you know, still has, I believe, four years left on his contract with the Bills. Mm-hmm. But Brown to have two years left, You know, he's already at age 30. You know, is this one of those pieces? Certainly, if Davis does flash, uh, could be an opportunity for him in the future. Yeah. And the other thing is, as as good a deep threat as John Brown has been earlier in his career, like you mentioned, at the age of 30 and Cole Beasley's 31, but also John's only 5'11". And Gabe is 6'2". And just anecdotally, I can tell you about Gabe. Like, I've, you know, I've stood next to him several times and I see him listed at 6'2", and I'm like, he ain't no 6'2". He's he's probably six three, maybe pushing six four, and um, I don't know I don't know who actually measured that measured out like that, but he was he's a big kid when he stand next to him. But um, but yeah, there's going to be some opportunity here, I think. And, and and what I love about what we always loved about Gabe was he was he was a really kind of silent leader on the team. You know, he wasn't really a rah rah guy. Was just the exact kind of dude who goes out there and just gets the job done. Um, and uh, I'll give you a good example of that. So this previous season in 2019, UCF had a big non-conference game at home against Stanford. And the big matchup coming into the game was Gabe Davis against Paulson Adebo, the defensive back for Stanford, who was um, considered to be an All-American and uh, was also and potentially an early entrant into the NFL draft if things went well. Well, Gabe absolutely toasted Paulson Adebo in that game, um, you know, caught uh, uh, pulling up the numbers actually right here for four ca- a, a, a listed officially four catches, 63 yards and a touchdown, but he, he was all over him in the early going, caught a long touchdown pass and it opened up a couple. Of, and because they moved Adebo over to him, it gave a couple of other receivers like Marlon Williams, the chance to actually make some, to, to, the chance to make some plays. But Clearly, Gabe Davis owned that matchup, and the that was and that was on national television. And all prior to that week, we didn't hear any, we didn't hear boo from Gabe Davis, right? And you know, and he could have, you know, he could have just as well, you know, kind of made it like almost like a boxing match, right? Like you know, okay, we're gonna, you know, we'll see who the best guy is out here. But but he didn't. Um, he just let his play do the talking, and. Uh, I think that that sort of aspect is underrated because, you know, with a young quarterback like Josh Allen, there's no previous guys who are out there saying, you know, hey, rookie, you don't know, you know, we've been around this league longer than you. Now there's some guys that are kind of that that he can kind of definitely have legitimate leadership over. Um, kind of like kind of like, you know, I'm a Giants fan, kind of like when the Giants let um, Jeremy Shockey go and Eli Manning was the unquestioned leader of that team. Right. Um, I think that I think there's a similar situation brewing there where, you know, it's Josh Allen's going to be the ace and everyone knows it. Jeff, so let me ask you more about Allen, right, because you talk about following him and and kind of how 
let's just say his style as a quarterback fits with Davis and his style as a receiver. Um, albeit, right, the the Bills did not have the uh, towering receiving core last year when they would really have three receiver sets with Isaiah McKenzie, John Brown, and Cole Beasley, all three of these guys well under six feet tall. Now you add Stefan Diggs to the mix, but you add someone like Davis, who you said probably in the 6'3 to 6'4 range, he was talking with the media today, said he's probably up to 219 pounds. I mean, talk about him as a fit. You talk about him as a deep threat, but also in the red zone. I mean, help Bill's fans understand how he can be utilized as a weapon here as well. Well, in the NFL, I mean, you know how it is. Like defensive backs are so big and so physical. And you have to you have to find a way to get yourself open and – despite the fact that they're going to beat the living tar out of you every single day. I know everyone wants to talk about pass interference, but you know, go ask an NFL receiver how hard it is to still get open nowadays. Right. Um, the digs move, I think was really key. You know, obviously, obviously six feet tall straight up, but I'm really, it, it, when you have a guy like Gabe, who's six, two, six, three, you can be versatile with him. So like you mentioned, deep threat, we know how fast he is deceptively fast, uh, I saw the video. Who did he roast the other day uh, at, at practice? I think it was. Uh, I think it was Dre White, wasn't it? Yeah, he. Well, the long, the long touchdown pass was over Tre'Davious White. Tre- which, yeah, I, I mean the fact that the Bills, from their official uh, social media account, put that out there, and you know Trey White, to his credit, hopped up and you know commended the rookie on a running a good route, and yeah, they were right back at it. That's a that's a four year defensive back out of LSU right there. <laughs> so, uh, and granted, you know, he's, he graduated in 2016. He's still a young guy out there, but that kind of gives you the idea of the talent that Gabe has. And then we've also seen in many cases here at UCF, how effectively he's been inside the 20, uh, in particular in a, in an, in an offense where, you know, they, even though UCF runs very fast, they do like to go they do like to predicate things on run first and then run the offense extremely quickly, you know, only taking about seven seconds from the end of the play until from the, from the end of a play until the next snap. So we're used to that kind of no huddle thing. And uh, what I'm really excited to see is what Gabe is able to do when plays break down and Josh Allen gets out of the pocket. I mean, we know how good of a runner he is. I would argue he's probably, he, He's probably one of the top three best running quarterbacks in the NFL, um, which is so unusual for a guy who's so big. Yeah, you know, and and kind of and kind of lanky a little bit. It's you know, you, you, I, every time he runs, you know, I'm always worried about you know, oh my god, is is a limb going to fall off at some point? But you, you and me both. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, but Gabe does give him. Uh, a, a little bit something extra where, you know, he can turn it upfield and if a play breaks down, he can throw it deep if he's in one-on-one or he can come back to to the ball as he did many times with Dylan Gabriel when Dylan had to break out of the pocket. And also Mackenzie Milton too. I think that part was very underrated because, you know, Mackenzie would have to, would run around, keep plays alive and then make an accurate throw downfield. So um, I'm very interested to see what, the offensive staff at Buffalo decides to do in those situations, Josh, when plays break down, here's what we're going to do. And Gabe, here's what you're going to do. That's going to be a really exciting thing to see going forward because it's something that, you know, I mean, I I grew up in the days of just like you did, you know, watching, you know, Kelly and Reed and Lofton and Thurman and all those guys. And, and it it was, uh, it was really underrated how good they were, you know, with the deep ball. Especially in, in on snow of all things, snowy, icy, windy days in Orchard Park, 
And uh, if these two guys can develop that same kind of connection, look out. That's going to be a really that's going to be a really fun offense to watch. Jeff, let me ask you a question about UCF, because I, I imagine right playing in the American Conference with a lot of pieces, you look at things in a, a team that consistently beats teams from major conferences, right? The last two years, the great success that's been had, you know, here in Buffalo with the Bills, we always look at things and you, the disrespect card a little bit, sometimes not getting the recognition that you need that starts to change a little bit, but I would imagine you look at someone like Davis and what he can do going in the fourth round again, how UCF consistently knocks off teams from the power five conferences you know, I've got to imagine it's it's more recognition like this. Guys getting drafted, breaking out onto that scene. You're you're probably just sitting there saying like, yeah, we've been telling you this for years. It's just you know time that people start to wake up and see what the Knights are doing. Well, yeah, I mean it's 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 not just the similarities between the UCF Twitter Twitter mafia and the Bills mafia that we're talking about here, right? I mean, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, two two of the two of the most fun fan bases to follow on social media. But when it comes to the talent that UCF produces, it's easy for everyone to forget this, that, you know, I mean, UCF is located in Orlando, literally the center of the state, Florida, Florida state and Miami no longer have the monopoly that they did on talent. You know, ever since in 1992, when the, um, when the scholarship limits were dropped from, uh, from 85, or excuse me, from uh, 95 to 85, um, that enabled UCF to move up from, you know, initially they were, you know, remember UCF started as a D3 program in 1979. Okay. That's crazy. Very young program, right? And moved up to D2, D1, AA, and then to, and then finally to D1A in 1996. And for a long time, it was without a conference, even played in the MAC for a while uh, with a bunch of teams from Ohio and Michigan. But, uh, over time, you know, it was uh, another uh, another uh, Central New York guy, right? George O'Leary came in, sure. and uh, and really developed UCF into a true Division One FBS level football program, and uh, and and produced a lot of talent. And there was there was a lot of talent before O'Leary was around too, like during the Mike Kruzek days. You know, uh, Brandon Marshall was not recruited by George O'Leary; he was recruited by Mike Kruzek. In fact, at one point. UCF's two wide receivers were Brandon Marshall and Mike Sims Walker, who had a who had a career with the Jaguars for a little bit. Um, you know, guys like Doug Gabriel, who played for the New England Patriots and the Oakland Raiders back in the day, um, and a number of defensive players as well. Then, you know, UCF continues to develop as a program. Um, and then when O'Leary finally, you know, when the game finally passed O'Leary by, you move over to a guy like Scott Frost and now it's the new era of football. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, you, your fans probably heard me mention, you know, the, the national championship of 2017, uh, it's in the book. Can't take it away. NCAA recognizes it. Uh, sorry, all, sorry, all you Bama fans just deal with it. Um, the, and, and I, we as fans, just like you guys, have always said, you know, if it's just a matter of time, it's just a matter of time that everyone's going to finally find out what the secret's all about. Uh, and I think that's starting to finally come to fruition. You know, like you said, you know, UCF consistently plays well and defeats power conference teams all the time. It, it used to be, we used to have a little a saying where, you know, how, how are we going to UCF this one, right? We, we used to play teams like that all the time and lose to them 
in the most ridiculous, dramatic fashion. Um, and now we've been winning those games consistently. Uh, third straight year. That, this year is actually the third straight year that the Knights have been ranked in the top 25 in the preseason. That's never happened before. Anytime there's some conf- there's rumors about conference movement. Uh, UCF is is certainly the first team, if not one of the first, mentioned as a potential team to move to a uh, to a power conference one day. Uh, and I think that uh, that the investment that um, Danny White, the athletic director, who was the AD at the University at Buffalo before coming Absolutely. to before coming to UCF, you know the the investment that he's made in the program, uh, not just in football but in all the programs, um, has certainly been key. UCF is, you know, I, I've always thought, said it was the quintessential 21st century athletic program, and now it's just a, and, and now every everyone's kind of waking up and discovering the secret that's you know that we've been keeping all along out here and it's and it's fun to watch and seeing how the uh how the talent acquits itself uh at the professional level in in football and then also recently in basketball actually is going to be uh, is going to be a lot of fun to see well and i think it's always that question too right so when you think of certain areas and you talk about schools that could have the opportunity to jump to a major conference and it's always a difficult decision, at least in my opinion. You know, you could say, oh, gosh, we could compete in the ACC or the SEC or whatever that piece may look like. But, you know, along those same lines, you can also say, listen, we've got a good thing where we are. Um, we're making to bowl games. We're making to the NCAA tournament for basketball. You know, do you need to make that jump? And I'm, I guess I'm just curious since I've got you on the line with me. I mean, where do you fall with that? Would you want to see UCF make the jump? Or do you look at it and say, listen, we can be in a position where we can play those power five schools, we can get those wins, and we can still make a national name for ourselves while the rest of the schools in Florida seem to be floundering right now? I, I think that in, in my heart of hearts, and I think in the heart of hearts of a lot of, of most of the fans out there, is they, they still want to see UCF make a major conference. You know, as as wonderful as the American, ha- I think, has been to us. And I'm kind of in the minority among UCF fans. I actually really enjoy the American. I think it's kind of a, a it's kind of been the inheritor of the old Metro Conference. And, uh, and, and there's a lot of talented teams out there, as we've been seeing. You know, Cincinnati just gave Luke Fickle, their head coach, a big contract extension. We saw how good they were last year. Uh, Memphis won the, M- Memphis actually won the conference last year, which is, uh, and, uh, and played Penn State in their bowl game. But I think uh, I, I think a lot of fans want to see UCF um, get into one of those, as we say, Power Five conferences, because um, not just because they think they can compete, but as long as the system of college football, the F, the FBS system, is uh, is one where it's the college football playoff is essentially an invitational. And it's not like it is an FCS where if you if you win your conference, you get into the dance. Um, you know, basically they're just picking, it's a beauty contest right now. And they're, they're just not, as we've seen time and time again, two years in a row, two straight conference championship, regular season, undefeated seasons for UCF in 17 and 18. And they didn't even get a sniff of the college football playoff. Like not, they didn't even finish in the top six. They barely finished in the top 10, which tells us, you know what? It's, it's because we're not in that, in one of those leagues, they're just not going to give, um, the program, the respect that they feel it deserves. And so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, UCF fans want to see, want to see the Knights in, uh, you know, who knows, maybe it's the big 12, maybe if something really crazy happens in, in the wake of COVID-19, if there's, if there's an opportunity to play on the same level and have the same chance of a national title, 
of winning a national title on the field um, as the uh, as the uh, uh, our in-state uh, as, as our in-state brethren do. Uh, I, I think you're going to see fans continue to pine for that, and I think and I think they're justified in doing so. He's Jeff Sharon. He's the managing editor of Black and Gold Banneret, covering the U.S. UCF Knights for SB Nation. Jeff, why don't you uh, tell everyone where they can find your work? Of course, anything that you might have on Gabriel Davis, but obviously UCF and getting ready for a big 2020 season. Right. Well, you can follow us on Twitter. We're very active on Twitter at. UCF underscore banneret, and that's B-A-N-N-E-R-E-T, UCF underscore banneret. We do a lot of work also in following, in uh, in sort of looking at our alumni in the NFL and also who the potential prospects will be down the line. Uh, you can, If you're on Facebook, you can follow us there at facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. Uh, and you can follow me individually at Jeff underscore Sharon on Twitter as well. Hey, Jeff, it was a real pleasure to have you on with us today, and hopefully we'll have plenty to talk about with Gabriel Davis throughout the rest of training camp and the regular season for the Buffalo Bills. So really appreciate you joining us today. Anthony, thank you so much for the time. Enjoy the good weather while you got it. (laughs) Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, go Bills.